It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. Atlanta's restaurant scene has struggled during the pandemic, but you can never count out such a vibrant melting pot. You'll find the cuisine of so many countries and ethnic groups here in our city, and the people who bring us this culinary diversity are among those helping to keep us fed in these difficult times. Our dining editor, Lagaya Figueres, noticed that one in particular, Filipino-American food, was on the upswing. It's a cuisine that has special meaning to her. And Lagaya is here to talk about this fascinating and welcome trend. Welcome, Lagaya. Hello, Shane. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Oh, I don't know. Pandemic, man, it's uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is getting long. Yep, but you know we're we're getting through as best we can, and you know we're uh, we're still out here working, and uh, you know there are things that are happening too. That's it's it's great that you know there's new stuff to experience. No, that's very true. And, you know, I think during um, during this pandemic, considering how long this has been going on here, a lot of us, I would say, are kind of reflecting on who we are as individuals, as people, and, you know, where we came from. And, um, and as you mentioned, Filipino cuisine, that's part of my heritage. And um, recently, a book arrived in my mailbox, which was, a, you know, a great day for an early Christmas present. Um, <laughs> and it was by, yeah, um, it was by a, a chef named Alvin Kalin, and it's called Amboy, Recipes from the Filipino-American Dream. So that's recently published. And uh, for folks who, who aren't familiar with him, he is a chef who got his start. Well, he's, he's, he grew up in, in L.A., and he's a first American, uh, Filipino-American and, uh, you know, he has actually a, um, a culinary background that took him up north to the Portland area. But he came back to 
LA and got his start really with his um, a food truck called Egg Slut. But this in the book, he it's a kind of a both a cookbook and memoir. And so many things about his upbringing really resonated um, with me. And I think Filipino cuisine, as he talks about it, is something that many Americans really aren't that familiar with because there really aren't that many Filipino restaurants. Have you been to any? You know, I haven't. And I noticed, you know, that that some were opening and it's something that I meant to meant to get to. And, you know, once the pandemic hit, uh, it was a lot harder to get out to restaurants. So it's just something I never got around to. And now I really would like to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to have your opportunity. But, you know, even uh, here in Atlanta, we really don't have um, Filipino restaurants. The most recent one, Janet's Kitchen, was only open about a year in North Decatur before that shut down. And if you really wanted a taste of Filipino cuisine, you almost have to be in the know with, say, some Filipino friends who might you uh, invite you over for, for dinner. Or um, uh, oftentimes it's something that would be presented, say, at a, a church gathering. Filipino's population is um, very, yeah, they're, they're predominantly Catholic. Right. And so you might get those on um, feast days, like the um, Jose Nino, for example. But now we do have an opportunity here in Atlanta more than ever, I would say, to experience that. Um, there are a couple pop-ups that have uh, sp- popped up in uh, the last couple years. And now we also have um, very recently a Filipino restaurant that that opened. Right. And, and that, that restaurant, where, where is that? And, and tell us a little yeah, bit about that. Sure. Uh, the name of the restaurant is Estrelita and that's in Grant Park. Um, right. And the pop-ups they are going to, you know, they happen around town. What's interesting too is Instagram has become such the great equalizer. Social media is, uh, that's how, you know, we're, we're finding out a lot about these places and how they're, you know, broadcasting um, where they are. So, all each of these uh, concepts, the the two pop ups, Kamayan ATL and Adobo ATL, as well as Estrelita, are all um, concepts from Filipino Americans. Some who have lived here for you know quite some time, and some who have even grown up here. Each one is a little bit different, and uh, I think as people go and try the the food. It's not necessarily some in some instances, it's going to be traditional Filipino food, as you might experience it at a table in the Philippines in that one of those kitchens. But in other experiences, it is um, based on growing up in the United States and all of the flavors that have influenced these people, you know, in the course of where they've been living um, their own family and the way that they were brought up here in the United States. So um you know, cuisines are always evolving. And currently, I would say when you see the when you taste the Filipino American food, um, it's very much influenced by that person and and um, and their surroundings. So it's kind of exciting where we, you wouldn't just we don't just lump it all in. It's so easy sometimes to put cuisines in these little boxes and say, this is soul food. This is, you know, Japanese food. This is whatever. Um, this is Southern and uh, in this instance, I think um, the beauty of the Filipino American um, experience is just how different and diverse and fun and creative it's getting. 
Right. Well, I mean, it's interesting that they, that Filipino cuisine itself is is probably influenced by so many different things in, in you know in its original form, and, and to come here and and add more influences to it. I think that's fascinating. Right. I mean, you have um, first of all, there's you know seven thousand some odd islands in the Philippines. And each one of those is going to be, you know, there's regional cooking there, but because of trade, for example, um, and with, and also just travel, like with China, um, you know, you have Malaysian influences, you have Indian influences. And of course, you know, under Spanish rule, um, you've got the Iberian uh, influence as well as uh, Mexican and um, some of those flavors from uh, from there because uh, and many people might not know this, but the Viceroy was located in New Spain and be, like the quote unquote headquarters being in what we now know as present day um, Mexico City. And yeah. so when you're under rule there, um, that's bringing in very different flavors. And I, so, and then obviously, you know, we have the American occupation. And um, so all of those, you know, it, it, they kind of take the best of the countries that they uh, come into contact with. And, and yeah, it's a big melting pot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fascinating. And, and I really can't wait to try some of these things. And, and I think I'm going to have to uh, check out these pop-ups wherever they happen. And I, I'm assuming in in this day and age they're they're probably doing plenty of takeout as well as just the same as other restaurants are doing. Absolutely, yes. You can find well, uh, it Estrelita, in fact, is takeout only for the moment, uh, right. just for safety reasons. It's not that big of a restaurant; it's only about twenty seats. And uh, the pop ups, yeah, you just kind of have to follow Kamayan ATL and Adobo ATL on Instagram and um, to to stay. Um, you know, following them and, and where they're going to be in, in um, their next pop-up. So, right. Well, that's great. So, and you have a story uh, that goes along with this as well. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It was um, published in the uh, food section on September 3rd and people can still find that story online. And we share some, some recipes from each of these books that you're just going to hear from now. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Lagaya. And uh, we're going to hear from, uh, some of the folks who are bringing this great food to us here in Atlanta. Filipino food has never sustained much attention in the continental United States, despite ties that date to 1898, when Spain ceded control of its Pacific colony to the U.S. That's curious because the cuisines of both countries resemble an evolving stew layered with the flavors of the cultures that it encounters. The Filipino kitchen incorporates ingredients indigenous to its 7,641 islands, and methods of preparation particular to regions within the three central island groups of Luzon, the Visayas, and Mindanao. But influences extend beyond the archipelago to neighboring countries of Malaysia and Indonesia to China, India, and Arabian nations, thanks to trade. More than 300 years under Spanish rule, the majority spent under jurisdiction of the vice royalty of New Spain in present-day Mexico City brought Iberian and New World staples such as garlic, olive oil, tomatoes, and tubers. U.S. soldiers are credited for introducing Filipinos to hot dogs, hamburgers, 
and ice cream and shelf-stable canned goods like Spam and evaporated milk before the occupation ended in 1946 and the Philippines gained independence. Put it all together and you get a veritable East meets West melting pot punctuated with salty, sour, spicy, and savory notes, sometimes pungent and porky too. For Filipino Americans, including those living in Atlanta, settling a fix for familiar flavors is rare outside the family setting, but that is changing. I'm joined today by two Filipino Americans who arrived fairly recently in Atlanta, Mia Orino and Mike Pimentel. Mia founded Filipino pop-up and catering company Kamayan ATL, and Mike started his own Filipino pop-up, Adobo ATL. Mike, Mia, thanks for joining me. Good morning, Ligaya. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Ligaya. Absolutely. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the Filipino food, it, it is kind of rare outside the family setting, and, and, and including in Atlanta. And um, you kind of changed that when you launched Kamayan ATL. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how, how Mike met you. But what prompted you to start your pop-up with, um, with Carlo? What prompted me was, like, I was a little disappointed and upset, actually. It's, it's that um, feeling of not being seen or not being acknowledged. And there's a sizable amount of Filipino population here. So we just, like, with no enough cooking equipment or no culinary background. We just went ahead and hoping and praying that the community and the non-Filipinos will be supporting us. And we didn't, we didn't expect the overwhelming response. And that gave us confidence and, and, and volunteers like Mike, Mike is amazing. Um, he has helped us tremendously from, from the beginning. Um, my knife skills was zero, <laughs> but he was there. He was there and a lot of other volunteers. And that just like pushed us like to move forward and to grow so fast, um, so quickly. We wouldn't be able to have done it without the support of both the Filipino community and the non-Filipinos, which is you know, amazing in itself. Well, Mike, when you and I had a conversation earlier um, for the food cover story that um, we published last week on um, Filipino um, cuisine, you you said something that really struck with me. And this is to your point. You said, a lot of my recipes are influenced or inspired by the food I grew up eating at home, but I don't want to mislead people into thinking I grew up in the Philippines. I grew up here and I want my food to reflect the taste of my own experiences of other foods and other cultures. So can you talk a little bit about... Um, the idea of Filipino American food is something perhaps unique from that prepared in a traditional Filipino kitchen. And maybe give us some examples of adobo ATL dishes that are unique expressions of you and your experiences. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, Filipinos have been in the U.S. for you know, hundreds of years, I guess, Um I, I think last I checked um, online, there's there's four million Filipino Americans uh, living in the U.S. and you know we've really kind of weaved our cultures together. And growing up here, um, you know it's 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 a very different experience from growing up in the Philippines. Um, but you know the food and the flavors um, that I've been introduced to and accustomed to at home. Uh, growing up has always um, kind of been the major influence for my my cooking. 
Um, but then, you know, you grow up, um, you know, watching Food Network on TV, um, you know, watching, uh, you know, YouTube channels and food blogs, and you're kind of surrounded in American food culture as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I wanted to reflect that, you know, there, it, I'm not the only, you know, Filipino growing up in America. So there's a lot of others um, around who've had similar upbringings as, as I did, where, you know, you, you eat your synagogue and adobo at home, and then you go out and get, you know, Wendy's uh, with your friends afterwards. So, um, you know, I kind of wanted my experience to reflect that, where it's kind of a mix of Filipino-American food, and I, I try to mix those flavors and, and uh, food preparations. Um, so, like, one of, the, one of the examples I had, um, a recent pop-up we did, I had a, um, an avocado pandesal toast. So, kind of a play on avocado toast, which has, you know, been very popular um, you know, in Atlanta and, you know, all over the U.S. Um, but instead we used uh, pandesal, which is a traditional uh, Filipino sweet roll. Um, I had a, uh, a sweet version and a savory version. Mia, can you talk a little bit about um, the type of food that you offer through Kamayan ATL? I grew up in Manila. I grew up in the Philippines. I stay there till college. And we would eat street food. We would go to the provinces and the villages. I used to climb mountains and go to like really remote islands in the in our country. And that has helped me develop my palate. And so I serve I serve the older generation. Like we probably have a dozen octogenarians and ninety year old Filipino grandparents who have us on speed dial. I mean they're their children, because if they're craving for certain like really unknown or unfamiliar dishes, they reach out to us. Either they order from us or they ask me for a recipe, which I'm I'm really willing to share because it's all about like preserving the you know the cuisine. But as you know, food is always evolving. And so we would have pop-ups, we would have collaborations with Koreans, with Mexicans. We have done ube funnel cake, we've done sisig tacos. And I think that only, like, you know, improves the cuisine. Like, we got to be, like, always, like, moving forward, always finding inspiration. It's it's not stagnant, you know, so. So, yeah, and we're, we're glad that the collaborations have been so great so far. That's fabulous. You know, um, I, I kind of want to finish by asking you to think, looking ahead a little bit. Um, and, and if you look around Atlanta, there really hasn't been a restaurant, a, a Filipino restaurant that has has sustained, despite places like Beaufort Highway, right, that are, you know, these great international corridors for for um, food. Your businesses are, are, are still kind of fledgling, but what are your goals for, for both of your, your businesses? Where do you want to see Adobo ATL and Kamayan ATL next year, even five years from now? And what would it take for you to get there? Uh, so, yeah, so for me, um, definitely the, um, you know, the pop-ups and lunch deliveries I'm doing, I'd like to continue to grow that. Um, I'm seeing a lot of continued interest in that, especially during these times um, there's a lot more focus on on delivery and takeout, um, and uh, definitely in the in the in the near term, um, I'm going to be moving into a new kitchen, 
um, that'll give me a, a bit more prep space and um, possibly some front of house space um, where maybe I could host, you know, a table or two of, of people to try out some, some new recipes. Um, and then looking forward, uh, especially as things start to open up again, I'd love to have um, more uh, more types of pop-ups where it's more of an experience and I can create a um, kind of a, a more comprehensive menu um, and play around with, with different dishes altogether in, in one experience. Um, and then kind of going from there, continuing with, with the growth and, um, you know, more uh, support from the community, I definitely would love to have a brick and mortar of my own where I could uh, showcase Filipino food and really make it um, kind of an established part of the community. Um, and, and, and like you said, I mean, uh, you know, with, with especially with Estrellita opening, um, I really am uh, excited to see um, kind of what, what becomes of the Filipino community in Atlanta. And Mia, how about you? Oh, um, we have we have huge plans. <laughs> we started uh, working on our brick and mortar, but it won't take probably another year and a half. But in the meantime, we will continue to collaborate with other Filipino pop-ups like Mike. We have we, we got a plan on it. Uh, we just did a collaboration with Power Baked Goods, and I have like different. Uh, every couple of weeks, I will be doing collaboration with the bakers because I want them. We have we we're so blessed to have a huge um, following now, and I want to use that platform to lift up and pull up the rest of the other pop ups and the other bakers and the 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 other Filipinos just starting right now. We might as well use that platform in order to because for me there's strength in numbers. I want Israelita to succeed. I want to be have someday like a plaza for Filipinos of different services and different baked goods, everything and anything that you can find that we can gather. And we won't be able to do that unless we hold hand in hand. And it's a healthy competition, but that's really my hope. Because um, I'm sorry for getting emotional, but I just want like for all of us to succeed and have a presence, a permanent presence. No more closing down, no more shutting down. We want um, a bigger audience. Mike Pimentel, Niaurinho, best of luck and thank you so much for joining me today. Marami salamat, Ligaya. Salamat po. Thanks, Ligaya. Through the years, there have been few Filipino dining options in Atlanta and Filipino restaurants that have opened have been short-lived. Hope Webb, Walter Cortado, and his sister, Lisetta Gamble, hope to change that with their new restaurant, Estrelita, which recently opened at 580 Woodward Avenue in Grant Park. I've asked them to join me today to talk about their concept and what they hope to bring to the Atlanta dining scene. Walter, Hope, Lisetta, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank thanks you for having, for having us, Lagaya. 
Absolutely. Okay, so um, the three of you decided to open a Filipino restaurant in Atlanta. Uh, how did this concept come to life? Well, um, it, it started off with a food truck idea. Um, we were going to do a food truck um, based on one of our dishes, which is the beefsteak. They call it the beefsteak food truck or some sort. And uh, realized that the the rules and regulations in the food truck industry down here in Atlanta are a lot different um, than other places around the U.S., like in San Francisco, New York, New, Jer- uh, New Jersey, and uh and didn't think that it was going to be a right fit as a food truck. And then um, it was actually a suggestion by my father who said, why don't you just open up a restaurant? And, and then one thing led to another, and then here we are. Here we are. Okay, now um, we know that Blessed is your sister and that now the majority of your family is here in Atlanta. And Hope, tell us your connection um, uh, to not just the project, but how you know Walter and his family. So Walter and I met through mutual friends, I want to say probably like 10, maybe even 12 years ago. And um, I actually worked in the food industry, in the hospitality industry in New Jersey for about 15 years. And um, we kind of kept circling around each other with our groups of friends and stuff like that. And um, he kind of knew of me through my friends and also knew that I um, had designed restaurants in the past and also worked um, as a general manager in several and so he just kind of said, you know what, this might be a good fit um, for launching this new Filipino concept in Atlanta. And being that I am half Filipino, it was an honor because, you know, it's kind of a homage to my mom and her and her native country. So I um, jumped on the opportunity and and that's how we kind of linked up. That's great. Now, I would say in numerous conversations that I've had um, with people who are not of Filipino heritage, uh, they're just not that familiar with foods beyond dishes like lumpia, which is a, the the egg, the fried egg rolls, or the um, adobo, and maybe lechon and pancit. Um, how would you describe Filipino cooking? To you know, its classic flavors and ingredients to someone who's unfamiliar with the cuisine, Blaseda. Um, well, I would say it's a mixture of Asian and Spaniard. Um, that's what the Orients and the Spaniard mixture, you know, we'll, we usually um, based on soy sauce um, and a lot of garlic and onions. And then we actually implement the vegetables. And so most of our dishes are um, based with soy sauce, fish sauce, garlic and onions. Um, also, we used uh, calamansi um, if we do have it available. Um, and it's uh, just basically just blend all these um, flavors together. I know my brother uses a lot of lemon and 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 uh, lime. Um, Hope, would you want to interject for well, Walter? If, if, yeah, if, if I can add, um, our our food is influenced by, like my sister said, Spanish and Asian. Um, we use a lot of soy sauce, vinegar, lemon, garlic, onion. Um, we even use a lot of sugar in some of our di- um, some of our desserts and dishes. If if I can, if I can say our dishes are are salty, sour, sweet, spicy, all at the same time, <laughs> if if you will, if that makes sense a little bit. 
Now, I have a question for you, and we'll start with uh, Hope, that, you know, I mentioned earlier that historically Filipino restaurants that have opened in Metro Atlanta haven't survived that long, really. Um, you know, we're talking about some of these dishes that folks were asking you about. I know that you guys are open for brunch, which is sort of unique. How are you trying to distinguish the restaurant from other Filipino restaurants that you've seen around the country? What what were, as you were shaping the concept, both in terms of the menu that you're offering, as well as the design of the restaurant, what are you trying to do um, uh, that other Filipino restaurants you don't uh, haven't really done in the past? You know, it's um, it, it's kind of funny. Like all of the Filipino restaurants that you um, that you kind of frequent throughout the country, and, and maybe it's probably a little more um, common in like the San Francisco, California area, um, Filipino food, because that's the first um, state that you might cross whenever you come from the Philippines. But I've noticed that kind of along the whole Eastern seaboard, um, you know, you have Filipino restaurants, but they, um, they, they didn't have that contemporary, like modern, maybe like a, a, a thorough design concept. Um, but we actually just kind of wanted to make our interior very timeless and classic so that over time um, it, it, it would sustain, um, uh, you know, the different fashion trends or the different design trends um, that you would see out in the um, out in the world. So we brought in um, a lot of like a, some of the gold, which was, um, you know, for me that my inspiration was kind of a Hollywood Regency kind of a um, uh, style. And then we kind of married a lot of the classic um, uh, architectural elements that you might find in classic or traditional Filipino architecture, like the lattice work that you find in the restaurant. So all of these things, like you, you have little tidbits of elements that are dedicated to the motherland, but you also have a very contemporary, um, forward-thinking kind of a twist to it with the idea of making it a timeless concept. I mean, I always tell everybody, you know, um, the food is is the is number one. You know, the the design concept coming in and, and, and the feel that you get from the atmosphere is second to that. It's just a bonus. Well, and then there's another thing that you're doing, which um, not every Asian restaurant has, is you're actually offering a, well, when you can get the license, um, but is a full bar, right? Correct. Um, we actually have, um, we're going to be doing kind of a, a, a rotating seasonal uh, cocktail menu. So we're going to probably have maybe like five uh, craft cocktails on the menu at one time. Um, so it's not necessarily going to be your bar where you can order a vodka soda, but it's so much as we're going to have, um, you know, five drinks dedicated to the season or, um, uh, you know, any um, given, you know, um, yeah, dedicated mostly to the season. Yeah. And um, Filipino inspired, of Filipino course. inspired, you know, get our citruses going, maybe get some coconuts in there, you know, blend some sakes. So it's going to be kind of like a rotating cocktail list dedicated um with the filipino flair it's, it's a full bar in the sense that we're gonna have liquor wine and beer and sake but it, it's gonna be very limited choice where it's like okay it's very where it's very focused yeah you know you guys opened um during the middle of the pandemic which is Wow. Amazing. I mean, this is probably not what you thought was going to happen when you when you initially embarked on this. How has that aspect um, factored into 
your launch and some of your plans? Our, our, our business model changed a little bit. Uh, we were really focusing on dining uh, because we wanted to give that people, we wanted people, I, I've always wanted a, a place to drink a Filipino beer, eat authentic Filipino food in a cool atmosphere. And I, I feel that there are other people like me. And I, that's what I want to, pre- to, to provide. Um, now that we have to social distance, um, we we started doing just to go during our soft opening, and we, and we've seen business pick up since since day one. Um, we wanted to bring in the dining, but we're noticing you know we we have to abide by the social distance guidelines for everyone's health, including our own. Um, so we're doing that, and then I, I know that the other aspect is of, of this pandemic is, is that. Uh, Every every restaurant is is doing a lot of to go and delivery service. So now that we're going to we're thinking about implementing that, and we're con- you know we want to we want to put more energy towards that than we had originally thought of doing. So, uh, and and one of the challenges I can um, tell you has been um, you know as he was saying initially we were really focusing on our, on our on our atmosphere as you can tell by the design. Um, and we were, we were hoping that people would dine in. And the challenge has kind of been taking a meal that would take, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, and kind of merging it and, 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 and streamlining it into a 25-minute takeout order or a 20-minute takeout order. Um, we kind of um, had to, you know, learn some new tricks in the kitchen um, to make sure that we were able to meet that demand of that takeout guest rather than, you know, um, serve somebody their appetizer course, you know, 10 minutes later, serve them their dinner course and go on to the other courses. So that has been one of the major challenges in, um, in this, in opening in this pandemic. Um, but I think that we have a good process right now. And um, the kitchen seems to be, you know, uh, banging stuff out, you know, at a good rate. And everyone seems to be pretty happy. Lissette, I'm going to give the final word to you. If I'm going to come into your restaurant or if I'm going to take out, what are a few dishes that we must order? Um, I would say really the grilled uh, pork belly. The grilled pork belly would be um, would be the hot item. And um, let's see. The... Uh, uh, Probably the beef steak, since it just, you know, came on. It's actually a pretty good one, too. My brother actually um, perfected that. That sounds great. Well, I'm going to be looking forward to um, to sitting down, seeing you guys, enjoying the beauty of your space. And um, Victor, Laceda, Hope, co-owners of Estrelita Filipino Restaurant, thank you so much for joining me and best wishes to your continued success. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had, and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience, and the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. This week, the AJC brings you the story of a young Atlanta actress who is starring in two new films. 11-year-old Livy Birch was already attending the Galloway School virtually in January before the pandemic caused schools to switch to remote learning. 
Filming the faith-based romantic drama Redeeming Love in South Africa, Birch worked with her mom and a tutor to complete her schoolwork. Read more about this upcoming movie, the current release, Tulsa, and this busy young actress and freelancer Jewel Wicker's story on AJC.com. Rescue Dog Games was set to hold its fifth annual festival on March 15th this year, its second year at Piedmont Park. It had drawn 5,000 people and thousands of dogs in 2019. Organizer Jill Waddell was psyched to take her creation to a new level. Then came the pandemic, and the fest was moved to October. But, as we all know, the crisis isn't over, so that's not happening. The solution? The Great Dog Challenge. For the entire month of September, anyone with a dog can follow a map and partake in any or all of the 18 challenges that are scattered around the park, then post them publicly on their Facebook page to gain points. Find out more about the Rescue Dog Games and how to participate in Rodney Ho's story at AJC.com. It took two and a half years for the story of former President Jimmy Carter's intersection with music to gel into a documentary. But those who have known Carter for decades have always recognized the special relationship. From Willie Nelson to Dizzy Gillespie, Greg Allman to Luciano Pavarotti, the documentary asserts that Carter's appreciation of the astute lyricism of Bob Dylan and the powerhouse vocals of Aretha Franklin alike made him the true first rock and roll president. This week, Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President, debuted in select theaters nationwide, including Landmark's Midtown Arts Cinema in Atlanta. A rollout on video on demand will commence October 19th, followed by a January 3rd debut on CNN. Read Melissa Ruggieri's look at the documentary, including interviews with the filmmakers, on the Atlanta Music Scene blog at AJC.com. More and more restaurants are venturing back into dine-in service on a limited basis, but some are still relying heavily on takeout. The AJC's dining team continues to explore some of the best in takeout with the Atlanta Orders In feature, which you'll find in print in the living section most weekdays. Recent visits include Atlanta Institution The Colonnade, which has been welcoming diners into its reconfigured and social distancing-friendly space since the end of July. This week, the restaurant plans to introduce a new patio. Read up on all of the places the team has visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. And to get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.